0: Exodus the third chapter we're going to be reading the first, uh, first few verses of this chapter Moses kept the flock of Jethro his father-in-law the priest of Midian and Moses led the flock to the back side of the desert and came to the mountain of God even to Horeb and the angel of the Lord appeared unto him he appeared unto him in a flame of fire that came out of the midst of a bush and he looked and behold the bush burned with fire and the bush was not consumed I want you to catch verse 3 here and Moses said I will now turn aside from what? from this flock that he was tending to on the back side of the desert I will turn aside And I will see this great sight while the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, what? This great sight. God called unto him out of the midst of the great sight of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. And he said, draw not Hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. Sometimes the Lord will give you thoughts as a a pastor or minister. Our ministry team can tell you, sometimes the Lord will just give you something and don't understand it, and it'll take four or five days for Him to explain it. And this is one of those where the Lord began to deal with me on this portion of Scripture. I believe it was on Tuesday. And just kept with me and kept with me, and I I couldn't understand exactly where God was leading me until yesterday. And uh, I'm hoping, uh, Lord, you hear what I'm saying, because you're going to have to help me that I can relay this message the way that God wants me to. Because it's important for somebody. And I, I want to talk to you this morning on a title, The Curiosity of God's Glory. The Curiosity of God's Glory. Amen? We thank you, dear Lord, for allowing us to be in your presence today. We thank you, dear Lord God, for allowing us to be in your house, amongst your people faith. We ask you, Lord God, to anoint the remainder of this service. Be with us. Bless us, Lord God. Stir up your altar. Stir up your spirit. Let the convicting power of your presence move today, God, not to condemn but to lift up, to change, to give revelation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Turn to your neighbor tell them that you, somebody that you haven't talked to in front of you, behind you, and tell them that you appreciate that they're here today. And when you've done so, you may be seated. There are times in life that you will have the opportunity to travel outside of your block of influence that you live around. And you will find yourself in a place and see something, maybe it's a sunrise, a sunset, a mountain, a lake, Maybe it's trees in the fall or the spring or whatever it might be. And you have to, uh, you become in awe of what you see. What you see grasps your attention and pulls you and to where you want to describe it to somebody else. And it's very hard and difficult to describe the indescribable to somebody that has not grasped or seen or partaken in the exact same indescribable moment that you have partaken in trying to describe to somebody the beauty of the mountains of the smokies is near impossible until you've seen it you try to capture it on film and it's impossible they tell you that you cannot capture the beauty of the smoky mountains on camera or video because the depths uh, of, of that technology is just not found. And what you see, you're like, oh, that's beautiful. But until you see it for yourself, it's really indescribable. My wife and I were, were blessed, and we did our best every night that we were in, in Maui and in Hawaii on the beach to try to take pictures of the different sunsets. And even though we went to almost the exact same spot every time we went, uh, it was just, it's hard to explain. Uh, the beauty of that sunset over the ocean. It's just indescribable. And when I begin to think about the glory of God, I guess I really never had a a definite definition of what the glory of God is. And I'm going to try to convey a little bit biblically this morning before we really get into my very small message of the glory of God and what it is. And the best way for me to describe the glory of God is really to say it's the beauty of God. God is om, omniscient and He's magnificent. And, and, and all of His uh, creative beauty is just beyond words. Yet how can anybody really describe or define or try to bring in definition the beauty of God Himself? Every human being will see beauty uh, on different aspects and different planes and different places. uh, Something different than another. But there's no established precedent or no established pattern of beauty that one could say that God is like. And if there were a way to do such, it would have to be compared to God himself. Because there is nothing more beautiful than God. Beauty is the possession it is the characteristic of God and is one of the qualities which are distinctive to Him and Him alone. It is what emphasizes the form in which He reveals Himself in the external uh, manifestation of His presence and the quality of His greatness, authority, dignity, preeminence, power, and perfection and majesty. The Bible tells us in 1 Chronicles, it says yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, O Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise Your glorious name. The word glory is used in the Bible to describe God's beauty and comes from the Hebrew word kabod and the Greek word doxa which are most often translated throughout the Bible to convey God's wealth and his perfection of character, his splendor, his majesty, his abundance and honor as well as to convey the, the ecstasy found in heaven. The root meaning of the word denotes weight or heaviness, size, rarity, beauty, brilliance, brightness, desire and adornment. This divine quality is beyond man's understanding and cannot be described because the Lord is exalted over all nations, his glory above the heavens, who is like the Lord our God, the one who sits enthroned on high, who stoops down to look on the heavens and on the earth. Yet This beautiful God longs for every person on this planet to to come to know him in deep intimacy. Deeply rooted in every human heart is an unquenchable longing for beauty. A God-given sense that beauty must have a meaning that is larger and more permanent than one's self. Beauty can both lure and beauty can both arouse for pleasure, delight, joy and even for relaxation. But every person in this planet longs to observe to be a part of beauty as they seek for a rare glimpse of greatness and yearn for a vision of glory. People are moved by music. People are moved by words of a poet, by the work of an artist, a newborn child, a uniqueness of all living creatures, multicolored hues of a sunset, the brilliance of a sunrise, the majesty of mountain peaks, the sound of a waterfall, the wind rustling through the leaves, the simplicity of a flower, the lightness of a snowflake. And these things cultivate one's sensory awareness and expands the consciousness in a way that creates an ever-deepening appreciation of creation. They are all, though, but tokens, twinkles, and shimmering shadows of the glory of God. Things that have been woven through the fabric of all creation. Beauty is the universal foundation of all things. It is transcended by, by nature. The beauty and glory of God are far greater and far surpassing any earthly beauty that one could ever know. Everything about God is beautiful. His power, beautiful. His love, beautiful. His mercy, beautiful. His holiness, beautiful. Beautiful is rooted in Him. He is the foundation of all things beauty in the universe. By His words, all things were created, and the beauty that we find in this earth is because of Him. His beauty is what makes Him worthy of worship. Come on. Beauty begins and beauty ends in God. He is the revelation of all that is good, loving, and kind. He even sings, signs His name using the brilliant colors of hues of a rainbow. And He uses beauty as His messenger declaring across the universe that He is altogether lovely. Beauty in creation has drawn humankind to a beautiful God. To create a deep hunger to know true beauty himself. People often settle for an imitation. People will settle for uh, uh, the created counterfeit. Not the creator himself. They'll look for beauty in things that they can try to make by their own hands that become easy. But nothing can ever duplicate the beauty of God. Things can be drawn and they are gorgeous and paintings can be made and they are beautiful but yet they don't compare to the natural beauty that God has created. You can sing songs and write poems about the beautiful things of God but you'll never be able to encapsulate the gorgeous things that God has done for this world. Each year, tens of millions of dollars are spent on cosmetic surgery and clothes and jewelry and makeup just to make one more attractive. But nothing can ever make something more attractive than God made when he made you. Oh, I'm a pastor just for a few moments. Adam and Eve didn't need clothes, makeup, jewelry as they walked naked in the garden. Because why? They were clothed in the beauty of God. His beauty, the beauty of His presence covered them. You don't need nothing to make you look more beautiful than you already are. God made you. You are perfect in every way that God made you. I should have got more of an amen on that. Somebody this morning better have more of a self-conscious awareness of who you are. You are a child of God. You are beautiful. You are perfect. You are the way that God made you. When you worship Him, when you praise Him, you are the glory of God. Somebody today, lift up your glory. Shout unto Him, hallelujah. Why? Because you are the glory of God. beauty the reason people are attracted to beauty and long to be attractive and wanted by another is because God is the ultimate beautiful one let a good looking man or a good looking woman walk uh, in front of your path I don't care how in love you are Go buy a nice car. I've seen young men absolutely lose their ever-loving mind over a nice Mustang or Lamborghini. I've seen some of them lose their mind over a Jeep. Raise your standards. I've actually been at the New New Year's Day sale at Dillard's and watched women fight over shoes. People are drawn to beautiful things. I used to have a saltwater fish tank, had coral and fish and everything in it. It was awesome, it was beautiful. And I would find myself mesmerized for hours watching the beauty as the water and the, the, the cascades and the waves of the coral and the fish would move. People are drawn to beautiful things. He is the absolute pattern of all beauty. He made people to long for himself because he sees each person as beautiful and longs for intimacy with them. Anything less than knowing God will leave a person unsatisfied. To see yourself as not beautiful is to see yourself as a rejection of God. That is impossible. For God will belong to the beauty of you, enough to where he'll leave the 99 to find the one. Why? Because that one is beautiful to him. To look at yourself as anything more, anything less than beautiful is to deny that God loves in spite of ourselves. the ugliness. And and the deformity of sin, what it attempts in our life, when we walk in the path of sin, God sees us as beautiful. The writer called us, uh, he is the potter and we are the clay. Only God sees the beauty in the clay before it is made. The ancient Greeks used the word beautiful interchangeably with the words excellent, perfection, and satisfying. Beauty is said to be in the eye of the beholder and yet it is not dependent upon or affected by anybody's perception of it. Don't you allow anybody to tell you that you are not beautiful. That is deny the very essence of God creating you. You are beautiful. If it's not the sight of the person who's ignorant enough to say it, it's believable in the sight of God. Beauty is a work of art that is not based on the individual colors used or its shape or its texture. The beauty is found in the harmony of how each element exists in relationship with the other. Beauty is the manifestation of the Spirit of God that animates all of reality. The attributes of God's character and nature both obtain their infinite beauty from the relationship with with each other. His love, His wisdom, His justice, His power, His joy, His peace, His presence, His kindness, His goodness, His faithfulness, His gentleness, His self-control are beautiful. God is beautiful in all His ways. He's relentless. Thank you, God. His love pursues all people. Thank you, God. Reaching out in a passion with nails pierced hands to those that need to be loved. Thank you, God. It was the beauty of Jesus that caused the disciples to drop everything and follow him. It wasn't his looks, it wasn't his charisma that drew them to him. It was his beauty that drew them to him. The wondrous fragrance of love that emanates from him that ever consumed those who draw closer and closer as they take on his fragrance and his beauty. The Bible says that God had clearly revealed himself to every human being since time began in the beauty of the heavens. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood for what has been made so that men are without excuse. God chose at times in the past to reveal his glory and perfection to mankind in a visible way, such as a pillar of cloud and fire, the deliverance of the Israelites at the parting of the Red Sea, his glory in the tabernacle and temple, because He desires to have an intimate relationship with every person on this planet. His original desire was for His glory to always dwell with humanity. First dwelling place was a place of beauty where God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground. Trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. And the last dwelling place is a city of beauty whose gates are made of a single pearl and the great streets of the city was of pure gold like transparent glass. It is a veil of sin, the works of the flesh, that keeps people from seeing God's true glory. The Bible states that all people have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Moses was clearly aware of this because of his sinful nature. When God asked him to lead the Israelites out of Egypt, into the promised land. Moses was very concerned about leading people. In His answer to his concerns, God told him, my presence will go with you. I will give you rest. Still fearful and unsure, Moses responded with this in Exodus 33. If your presence does not go with us, does not send us from here, How will anybody know you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And The Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by your name. And Moses said this, he said, now show me your glory. You see, the sin of Adam and Eve obscured God's personal and intimate beauty. And it was lost to humanity in the constant view. And it was something that God longed for. That man would be able to see once again the glory. Evident, and relevant unto man. And so the plan was that the one day when the plan had come. Where it needed to be implemented, that he would robe himself in flesh and would dwell among us. And he would be the Lord of glory. His time on earth, in the ministry that Scripture talks about, we could see a painted picture of the glory of God, the beauty. His personality, his beatitudes. Who he was and how he acted was not things that he just taught, but things that he acted out in life. He would leave the crowd to go find the one that needed him at a well because her life was in disarray. He would leave and go across the ocean to find the one that was on a seashore that was tormented by decisions that happened in his life. He would cry and weep as he made the journey to his friend's house knowing that he died to get there, to call him out of the death grave itself to walk once again. It was him that could not listen as the beggar would cry out in his blindness jesus come help me and god would stand still the beauty of god became revelant in the life of jesus christ and we can read about it but better yet we can see it and live it and feel it for ourselves every day what i see A child raise up their hands and worship God. I've seen the beauty of the master. When I see someone who is filled with sin go down in Jesus' name, I see the beauty of God. When I see someone filled with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of that supernatural experience, I get excited because I've seen the beauty of God. When I begin to think about the death, the burial, the resurrection of the almighty God, I get a revelation of the beauty of who he is. Well, Pastor, you haven't talked at all about Exodus chapter 3. What's that have to do with us? I told you I was going to just talk then I have a very short message and here it is. Moses was in the darkest place of his life. He just had the revelation laid upon him that you're not Egyptian. Brother Austin talked about this morning as Josephus, the historian, would talk about that he believed that Moses was being groomed and trained to be the next Pharaoh. But Then the revelation is bombed upon him, told to him that you are not Egyptian, but yet you are of Israelite, Jewish people told him about how he should have been killed but his mother put him in an ark of bulrushes and put him down the river and that the, the Pharaoh's daughter would find him and he was raised in the home and taught all of these things. This was all thrust upon him and then he watched a, an Egyptian begin to beat and try to kill an Israelite and so he lashed out and his anger he killed him and he ran and he ran and he ran Time goes on in the darkest place of his life. He finds himself married. He finds himself no longer in the house of the Pharaoh with the finest of clothes and education and food, never wanting for anything, to now being a lowly shepherd boy on the backside of a mountain. Going through the exact same motions every day raise up, take care of the sheep, fight off the wolves. At night, you go to sleep, you wake up in the morning, you go through the same thing day after day after day. It was who he became. His life was behind him. The death of a man was behind him. The life of Pharaoh's kid was behind him. The life of the best of the best was behind him. Now, you struggled in the heat. You struggled against the elements. You had to fight off wolves and bears or whatever else that would try to take the flock. This is what your life became. Minding his own business one day. Just going through the motions. Doing what he was supposed to be doing. But God had other plans. It was there in a bush. that a flame burst out. It did not consume the bush. But yet it burnt just the bright. It was enough that it caught Moses' eyes. Now, why would it catch his eye? Well, it is not often that you see a bush burning but not being consumed. What a beautiful sight that must have been. Imagine with me. You're somewhere in the woods or the desert or somewhere, and all of a sudden you see a great pine tree burning, but yet not burning up. To me, in my mind's eye, it means that there was no smoke, there was no ember, there was no charcoal, there was no burn. It looked perfect, but yet was on fire. That's beautiful. It was enough that it turned his attention from his flock to the flame. He turned from the mundane of his everyday life of following the flock to the glory of God. It turned his everyday eye from off of the protection of the flock to the unexplainable. How do you explain to somebody? I saw a bush. Okay. It was on fire. All right. But it wasn't burning, it was still perfect. How do you explain to somebody the beauty? And the glory of God. Where they can explain it and understand it. You can't. Because you can only understand the beauty of God in its fullness. When you have tasted and seen for yourself. The glory of God is something once you've tasted and seen it. That it never gets old. You can be away from it for a long while. But once you step back in to the glory of God. It's like it all comes back to you. The feelings, the smell, everything. Oh, this is just, this is awesome. This is beautiful. You forget about what you used to be like when you were in Egypt. You forget about all the things that you were. And all of that stuff begins to fade away when you get into the presence of God. Because something about the glory of God tends to make you forget on who you used to be and the intention of what God wants you to be. Turned his life to something that he had no knowledge of. No explaining. No education. But yet he was drawn to something that he could not explain. Let me tell you something today. The glory will draw you. The beauty of God will draw you. Well preacher I've been in church my whole life. And been around church my whole life. And I've seen a whole lot of ugliness. I didn't say the church was perfect. I'm talking about the beauty of God. People are still people, and people will do things because we have a sinful nature, and we're not perfect, but God yet is still perfect. But I don't draw myself to church simply because of people, I draw myself to church because the glory that I found within that place. I find myself drawn to the glory of holiness. I find myself drawn to the glorious of truth. I find myself drawn to the glory of praise and worship that's not fake but real. The glory will draw you. The glory will call you. The glory will propel you into your destiny. If you'll just leave the mundane of everything else and find yourself in the presence of the glory of God. You will forever be changed. Your life will never be the same. Everything from yesterday will be just that yesterday, but God will change you into a destiny He's always wanted for you, simply at a moment in the glory of God. It's all you need. But I come with a lot of baggage. I carry many things. I have a whole lot of stuff that I bring with me. I don't find anywhere in this story where God called Moses that he ever said well I can can have you do this but you can't do this and you can't do that because of what you did Moses gave every excuse and God gave every reason why he could why? because the glory sees you in your perfection not in your imperfections Glory will look beyond your past and see what you can be. If you'll simply leave the mundane of yesterday for the glorious of the day today in the presence of God. Stand with me today. That's why you can come into a house of God. That's why you can come to the presence of God. That's why you can come to a church service. And the altar draw you. Because the altar is a place of beauty. But preacher, things in the altar at those times were killed and slaughtered. It was a smelly place, dirty place. It wasn't a place that somebody loved the smell of it, but you don't understand the beauty of an altar. It's there that I lay down things of yesterday. Moses, take off your shoes. Because it carries the stench of yesterday. Yesterday. Moses, take off your shoes. For on the bottom of that is the things of yesterday that you carry. When you walk here, you walk as a new man. And nothing from this world will carry you to an altar. Hear me. Nothing. Things that you've done, places that you've been, will, might convict you, but they can't carry you to an altar. For at an altar, you lay all that stuff aside. Man, help me here, God. At an altar, you have to lay all of that stuff aside. Pride, self-centeredness, intentions of what things must always be like and must always, this is the way it's always been, how it's always going to be. That's not the way it is in the glory of God. There's something, you can walk into a church service. My dad tells the story many times when he was just an a 18-year-old, 19-year-old boy living in the world, not living for God, walking into a church service one time, and the preacher began to preach. He doesn't know what they preached about. He doesn't know what was going on. He doesn't know what was said or what was done. All he knew is there was something that was drawing him to an altar. When I could get my eyes over of what I feel like my life should be like, And I can get my eyes on the glory of God. It's there that my life can be completely changed. No longer am I called the shepherd boy. No longer am I called the liar. No more am I called the the killer, the murderer. No longer am I called Pharaoh's son. But just one moment in the presence of God, when I leave what should have been to what God wants me to be, it can change my life forever. That's why you can find yourself white knuckling in the front of that pew. Just say, oh, I can't take it no more. I can't be there no more. I can't, I can't live like this. Why? It's not because of the words that's being preached, it's because the spirit of beauty that's being preached from the pulpit, from that altar that's calling you to saying, would you just get your eyes off what you think life should be and just let me change you? It's a curiosity. I can't explain it don't understand it I don't know why but there's something yet that's still drawing me, pulling me longing come on that's why I can't get enough that's why every time I come to church I get a nervous feeling when it gets about this time of service why? because I'm curious about that burning bush you see when you go back to the text that we read today go back to Genesis the third chapter and you begin to read that the Lord was already calling if I read this right before Moses got to that appointed place the bush was already on was already aflame God had already prepared a place for the glory to be shown but nothing happened verse 4 shows it and when the Lord saw That Moses turned aside and became curious of the beauty of God. It was then that God called out to him. I've never heard the voice of God. Preacher, I don't know what the voice of God is. You feel that longingness? That pulling right now? My my introvert in the is I can't walk up to that altar then you've missed it. Because the curiosity of the glory of God will draw you to make an altar right where you're at. I've got to see what this is all about. I've got to feel this for myself, what this is all about. I've got to know within myself the glory of God, the beauty of all of this. I've got to fall upon my face. And I've got to see what God has in store for me. Why would God call me? Why would God love me? What does God see in me? There's a curiosity. Some of you in here today, you feel it. It's working on you. It's drawing you and calling you and longing for you to turn aside. And if you could just get away from just your rut of life, you would see the beauty that's found in the glory of God. So I call you today while the fire is still burning the flame of God's beauty is still bright let that curiosity within you go thing that you're looking for, longing for and wanting to see dive right in as they're coming I tell this last thing my wife and I's trip Took an audio tour around the island. They're coming. They brought us to a place. For us to see the beauty of the place, we had to climb down this big steep stone cliff. If we did not get curious to see the beauty, we would have missed it all. Today, you'll never see the beauty of an altar if you're not just curious enough to go through some tough places. Well, how am I going to get back up? That means nothing when you see the beauty where God is leading you. As they're still coming the curiosity is still drawing. The fire will meet you here. God will speak. I'm going to pray. They're going to sing and you're going to pray. You're going to find yourself at an altar this morning and you're going to reach out to Him on your own. No strings attached. Nobody is saying, well if you do this, you this have to be this and you have to go. No. This is between you and Him. It's your curiosity. Let's pray.